Man, man, man. I'm so excited to talk about what we're talking about tonight. I know a lot of you um, have post-traumatic stress from our last few because we've been talking about relationships. Don't worry. We're shifting, doing a little bit of a shift tonight. We're stepping out of that and stepping into something that I think is actually really, really, really important. Um, as all of those are really important, but with that, I think this is something that I believe at this time of the year for a lot of you, it's on the forefront of your mind. And with that, tonight I want to talk a bit about your future. You know, some of you already have anxiety just by saying it, but I hope that through tonight, we might be able to unlock maybe a better perception, a better paradigm to think of how we navigate our future. Y'all with me? Y'all bored? You would like it? Okay, we're going to go with it. If you have a Bible, do you have a Bible with you? If not, you have a cell phone. We're going to be working out of the book of Luke, starting in chapter 5, Luke chapter 5. And tonight we're going to talk about a man named Peter. So with that, as you're turning, I'm going to give you a little bit of time. Luke chapter 5. We're going to take a look tonight at the calling of Peter and using this story in Peter's life to maybe give us a picture of what it looks like to walk into our future saying yes to God. With me? So with that, if you're there, if you're not there, say, hold up. Oh, okay, well, y'all better get there. I'm coming quick. Starting in Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It will be on the, board, on the screen behind me if you're, if you're a little bit behind, but we're going to get jump right into it. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. The text says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he, Jesus, was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out from them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put a little out from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Jesus is bold, isn't he? So step on a stranger's boat and be like, hey, let me use this. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And when they came and filled the both boats up so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid from now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought in their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. I want to work from the title tonight. Tell me where we're going. I need you to touch your neighbor, your favorite neighbor. It doesn't matter. Just say, hey, hey, neighbor. With, yes, you, neighbor. Tell me where we're going. Now I need to tell your other neighbor with all the attitude that you got in your chest. Tell me where we're going. Tell me where we're going. I don't know if, uh, if you guys have ever been on a road trip before, but I have. And as you know, in any road trip, there are specific designations and roles within the car. Does everybody know? There's a driver. There is a navigator or the shotgun passenger or the DJ. But if you just go with your, with your new wife, she is both, okay? And so with that, me and, oh yeah, I got married. That's also cool. Yeah, come on. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Hey, I'm telling you, God is faithful. He does miracles every day, I promise you. Man. But recently we went on a road trip to Austin. A little, little mini honeymoon, you know what I'm saying? It was fun. Um, but the problem with that is uh, I'm a driver that also likes to be the navigator, not just be the driver. Anybody else with me? Does anybody else want to like know where you're going, see every turn, don't want to have to wait on nobody else, none of that? My wife's not down for that, okay? See, my wife, what she does, she wants to be involved in the car ride. I don't know if you guys, you know, have a significant other, but this might just be my problem. But almost every one of our fights happens in the car. Either she wants to tickle me in the car and just play with me, like, ah, hey, hey. And like, stop touching me. I'm driving right now. You're putting our life in danger. You know, that's one of those things. But also when I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a turn, I'm like, hey, when's the turn? Are, is it coming? Nothing. Just nothing. Oh, it's always at the last second. Y'all ever get that? And I'm looking at her like, baby, like we <laughs> almost cut off three people. I can't go three lanes over. Like you got to let me know, right? But this trip in particular... We are driving to Austin, and I've never been here before, this specific place that we're going. And so I'm having to really, like, trust her. I'm having to really trust her because she's also the type to not show you the phone when it's happening. So it's not, like, out. It's just, like, she's on Instagram or whatever she's doing, watching TikToks or whatever. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at her, and I'm like, Demi, baby, with the ring, just baby, I need, I really need to know when this turn is coming. Like, I need you to tell me. And I remember at least a couple parts in that trip where I was so concerned about the, the, the next one. I would ask her, I would actually ask her for two stops ahead. I was like, can I get two turns? Can I get like the mile marker and the turn? Because like, I need to know, otherwise I'm gonna miss it. Right. And I got so frustrated at one point, I pulled over, almost, I almost pulled, I, in my mind, I pulled over to the side of the road, but you know, I can't be that dramatic. I almost pulled over to the side of the road and been like, hello, I'm not going to move this car one more inch down this road unless you tell me when we're going to turn because I'm not doing this all day. I ain't got games to play. I'm trying to get on my honeymoon. I've been waiting 30 years to be married. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I need this moment. I need to know we're getting where we're supposed to be going. Anybody with me? Yeah. I'm very concerned about arriving at the destination. I'm so concerned. I'm so concerned about arriving that I don't realize I'm actually kind of ruining the trip by being so about the destination. I'm actually like hurting our relationship because I'm like, hey, look, I need you to be on top of this because you are affecting me, right? And it's funny because it is my wife, but I think we do that with God a ton. Where we are so concerned about arriving at a destination in our life, and we need to know right now. I need to know details, God. Look, God, I'm gonna pull this thing over if you don't tell me what's next. God, I better know who my wife is. God, who I'm supposed to marry? What's my major supposed to be? What job? What city I'm supposed to work in? Like all those things. Anybody with me? Can I get a witness? Yeah, so we're in this. God, I need you to tell me something. I need you to tell me where we're going. Hello, Jesus. I need you to tell me where we're going, okay? Otherwise, I'm not moving forward. Give me the phone and get out the way, right? Here's the problem. I believe that God, just like my wife, is more concerned with that journey than reaching the destination. And more than that, I think she's more concerned about the relationship and being involved in the trip 
than she is about getting to where we're going. So with that, yeah, okay. I think that for us, we can get so concerned about making it to the next place in life, to the place that we're supposed to arrive at. God, I need to know my future. I need to know my calling. What's my purpose? I don't know what you want me to do. God, can you tell me what to do? And we just become people that just look at heaven and say, will you just tell me? We just tell me what to do. We just lay it out for me. Just, just lay it out. And what I think is that type of thinking and mentality can do two things. One, it can rob relationship between you and God. And two, it can set up a false paradigm where you don't take any steps of faith. You just wait for God to tell you what to do. And so with that, I want to give us a couple of um, just little points to so that whenever we're stepping into this place where we feel the urge to just pull over and say, God, give me the phone. I want to, I want to navigate and drive when that comes. We can have a little bit of peace to know, oh, there's a reason for why this is happening this way. There's a reason why I don't have everything laid out already. There's a reason why God is seemingly withholding information from me when in reality he's trying to do something for my good. Y'all with me? So with that, my first point I want to work through tonight, if we're going to step into the future that God's created for us, if we're going to become the people that he wants us to be, we need to realize one thing about God. God is a God who gives turn-by-turn directions. Turn-by-turn directions. What do you mean by that? Turn-by-turn. Okay. Anybody ever had, you know, Siri talk to you in the phone? Anything? Whenever you have a turn coming up, that's when you hear the voice, right? It's not like you're 10 miles away. It's not going to tell you to turn left, right? It's whenever you approach, correct? But imagine this. God is not going to give you every single turn along the way for a number of reasons. One, if you knew when all the turns are coming, you probably wouldn't even get in the car. You wouldn't even know. It's too much for you. Too much to even comprehend. Like, you want me to, I'm supposed to do this and this and this and this and this and it's going to end up here. What if I don't like where I end up? Yeah? I think a lot of times we think that God is withholding because he doesn't want us to arrive. But God is actually more concerned in us arriving than we are. We just have to trust that he knows how to get us there in his timing and his way. Because, one, it's too much for us if we just do it by ourselves. Second, that there is something he is doing in every turn. That every turn is preparing and developing you for the destination and for the things along the way. But we have to give him that time. And the third is that there's a relationship he's trying to cultivate in that time. So God gives turn-by-turn directions. And now I just want to give you a little bit, of, a little bit about how these, this, this, this way is going to go, this path is going to go, some things that you can expect along the way. Because I think if we can change this paradigm from thinking that God just tells, wants to tell us what to do next into that God wants to lead us along the way by prompting us. Do you all understand what I'm saying? I think a lot of us, we look at God and say, tell me what to do, right? We want to be directed that way. Hey, husband, left right now. Wife, right, stop, turn around. This ain't the one, turn around. We want that, but God doesn't lead us that way. What if God is more into prompting us through invitation than he is telling us. Hey, do you want to do that? Hey, how about this? It's a question, not a command. You with me? And where do I get that? Look in the text with me. In the story with Jesus and Peter, Jesus, in every one of these moments, he doesn't tell Peter what to do. He asks Peter. He asks him a question. And with that, I think for us, we need to realize that God is going to lead us more by questions and prompting and invitation and opportunities 
then he isn't going to say, that's your husband, that's your wife, that's your future, that's your thing. It's really just us saying yes to when he prompts us. You with me? So with that, there's a couple of misconceptions and things I think we need to be prepared for along the way. The first is this, that the route will often be inconvenient. The route to your future will often be inconvenient. In verse 1, it says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out from them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats was Simon's, which was Simon's. He asked him to put a little out from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. At first glance, it doesn't seem like there's much there, but I'm here to tell you that there's actually a lot there because the context tells us that Simon himself just got done with a whole night of fishing. He had been all night putting his nets out there, and just now they were, they were out of the boat cleaning the nets. They were done for the day, and Jesus shows up. Can you imagine how tired Peter might have been? How inconvenient that might be? How intrusive Jesus might be in that moment? Just to give you a picture of what that might look like right now is you leave this place and you go outside, you go to your car to take off, and you see somebody like, hey, bro, I know you're trying to go to bed and like go home, get Whataburger, whatever you're trying to do, but like, can I like use your car? And you're like, nah, bro, I don't know you, one. <laughs> you're not using my car. <laughs> but Peter, without even his words being recorded, obviously says yes. Jesus says, hey, hey man, I know, I know you might be tired. I know you had a whole day. You have, your, you have other things going on. Apparently Peter has a wife. I, let me tell you, I got to ask my wife for things. He don't ask his wife. He just says, all right. And little does he know that this one yes is actually a series of yeses that has completely altered the course of his life. But he had little to, to no idea that that was coming on this first yes. Hey, can I use your boat? Imagine Jesus, the son of God. I don't think he was light on words. I think my man could probably preach for a long time. So imagine you're done for the day. You're tired. I'm ready to go home. And you got to listen to somebody talk for another couple hours. And not only that, after he's done, he's saying, hey, bro, I know you're done for the day. I know you're done. And I know that this is extra, but I actually need you to put it out in the deep a little bit. I'm gonna need to, we need to go out a ways. And not only that, I want you to actually cast your nets again. The amount of time that Peter would have had to give up on a whim for this man, Jesus, is outstanding. This would have cost him hours. It could have been late in the day all over again. For He could have been up for two whole days. And I know some of you, after being up for two whole days, you are not a nice person. You're a little grouchy and a little mean. I know I am. I wonder how many times we miss these big, huge moments that God is calling us into, these moments that will drastically change our future. We miss it because it's inconvenient. That it doesn't match our plan, our timing, and what we want to do and what we feel like doing. I wonder for some of you in this room, this future that you're looking to find, this thing you're looking forward to, the person you want to be with, I keep saying that, but it, it literally comes with, are you willing to be inconvenienced? Are you willing to take the extra time when God calls you into something, or is that too much for you? Is that going to take a little bit too much time that you're willing to do? Instead of going to study, I'm going to come to Mosaic on campus. Instead of doing whatever, like, am I going to do the thing that God called me to do? Or is that like, just, I don't have time for that. Because I'm telling you, Peter was one guy who said yes. His whole life is marked by these, that one word, yes. 
Didn't matter what time it was. Didn't matter what it was. Yes, you could inconvenience me. I wonder what it would look like if we began to be people who could be inconvenienced because we know that God has something for our life. Because here's the thing you don't know. Peter's boat is just a boat to Peter. But Jesus, when he saw Peter's boat, he saw a platform. And with that, Peter, in his own livelihood, the thing he was building, his business, which had partners, had a whole other boat connected to it. Peter had a thriving business. He took time away from his business, his regular life, to say yes to a man that might not do anything for him. And in doing so, he drastically changed the future of not only his life, but our life. By one yes, to be willing to be inconvenienced. I mean, my question to you is, are you willing to be inconvenienced to see what God can do with your life? Are you going to pick your plan and live a small life? Because Peter let go of his agenda and said something about that guy. I'm going to say yes to it. Even though I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know what's going to come next. I had no idea. We just got done cleaning the nets. I don't even want to put them back in there because I got to clean them all over again. I'm going to do it anyway. I wonder what it would look like if we began to people who could be inconvenienced for the things of God. I think a lot of things would change. Second, not only will it be sometimes inconvenient, the second is sometimes it's not going to make sense. When God calls you into the future, he calls you into something, it's not always going to make sense. In this text, it says that Peter, right after he lets Jesus use his boat as a platform, he lets him take him out to the deep, and he says, Jesus tells him, hey, throw out your nets. Peter's response, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. There's an exclamation point. I'm, I'm telling you. Have any of you ever done something and then someone told you to do something you just got done doing? You're like, nah, that don't work, bro. I'm telling you. Jesus, I'm telling you, dog. Like, you've seen the nets, bro. You've seen them. I'm not doing this with you, Jesus. Like, stop. First off, you don't know what you're talking about. You a carpenter, son? You ain't got nothing to do with fishing, bro. This is my spot. Yeah? That'd be like me telling a couple of my buddies who fish, like, hey, bro, maybe you should use this bait. Like, hey, maybe you should sit down and just enjoy being here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, Peter could have had that attitude, right? Like, hold on, Jesus. Like, hey, bro, I'm going to just let you know. I'm just going to let you know. I spent all night out here with all of my boys, and we didn't catch nothing. Didn't even see nothing. Didn't even smell a fish. Nothing. <laughs> and Jesus is like, no, nah, man, just throw it out. Just throw it out. It didn't make sense. Why would I do that? Why would I do something that just didn't work all over? Why? Why? I wonder if it had to do with who was in the boat with him. Not only that, Peter, in this moment, he doesn't ask questions. Did you notice that? He doesn't ask him how that's going to work. Hey, uh, why do you think that? You got a fish finder, Jesus? Like... <laughs> You know something I don't know? Do you see a current? Like, did you get a news forecast? Like, I, how do you know what I don't know, right? But he says, but at your word. But at your word, I'll throw out the nets. All right, because you say so. Uh, all right, bro, you say so. Let's try it. Jesus, in this moment, is, is the biggest flex ever for Jesus, right? Oh, you, you tried it, but you ain't tried it with me, though. That's the difference. Sometimes about who's in your boat. See, a lot of us in here, we don't want to be inconvenienced, right? Not only that, but when things don't make sense, we're like, oh, no, God already tried that. I know you're calling me to do that, but I've done, I've done it before, but it doesn't work, so I'm good. And we give up and we quit. 
And instead of letting God use us and do something that he has never seen before, because he's, y'all realize that Peter sees something he's never seen before because he says yes to this, that the amount of fish was so great that it would have sunk two boats. I promise you, Peter never had that kind of fish in his boat ever. That would have set him for life. He would have been good. But he says, ah, your word, I'll do it. It doesn't make sense to me. Sometimes God's going to call you into stuff that is not going to make sense. That you have already tried before. You've done it in your own strength. You've said, this is the way I'm going to do it. And it hasn't worked. And then when God's saying, hey, go do that thing again. Hey, go try that major again. I know that you failed out, but maybe you should try it again. Hey, I know that you're stuck here in this place. And any way that you see the way forward, you can't see a way forward. Why don't you try it again my way and let's see what happens. Because little did he know the man who spoke fish into existence was in his boat. Maybe the thing that we're so desperately trying to step into, the reason why it's never worked is because we never had him in the boat with us. So maybe there is an invitation there where, okay, yeah, I'll say yes, but because you said yes. Not because I said yes. I have a lot of plans. I have a lot of things that I want in my life. But guess what? If God ain't said yes to it, it ain't going to happen. If God is the one, if Jesus is the one on your boat saying, do it, and it's not from you, and you're like, that's crazy. Ain't no way that could happen. No way God would do that. Try him. I promise you. I promise you. You cannot out-try God. Keep going. Keep trying. Keep doing, what, keep doing it. But when he says it, move on it. Because you never know what you're going to see. You never know what you're going to have in front of you because of it. Peter in that moment had no idea what was in front of him, but he said yes because of Jesus' words. And what's so funny is that exact phrase is used later in Peter's life. I don't know if you know this or not, but Peter's known for a couple things. One of them is walking on water, which is crazy. I think he's the only other human other than Jesus to ever have done it. And we make it a big deal about the wind and the waves and all that and Peter's faith. Bro, Peter did not have a ton of faith in that moment. He had faith from this moment. At your word, I will. He's seen at your word. He's seen at what at your word can do. Why don't we test Jesus at his word and see in every little aspect of our life if he'll show up? Peter, in this moment, said, at your word, I'll do it. And when Jesus was walking on the water and he said, come out to me, he said, at your word, I'll do it. Because Peter's seen what can happen at Jesus's word. I think sometimes we get so preoccupied in figuring out the direction of our life that we don't give God, the time to speak his word to tell us what to even do or what to step into or what he's inviting us into. God, tell me what to do. And he's just like, just take a step. Just do it. You want to do that? You have a dream for it? Go for it. We're waiting on, are you going to make it work? Jesus didn't tell him he was going to catch all them fish. He just said, cast your nets. It just happened. My third point with that, bless you. My third point with that little section of what it will be like when you trust Jesus and when you step into that life with him. Not only is it going to be inconvenient times and not only will it not make sense, the last will be more than what you asked for. It'll be more than what you asked for. In this text, Peter, he comes and he's on that boat and he puts that net out and to catch all these fish, what happens? So much so that it fills the nets that he has to call to the other boat on the side, hey, James, John, bring the other boat, bro. We're sinking over here. Hey, come on. This is can we take some of the fish back? I don't want all these fish in my boat. I, I'm about to have a really expensive problem because I ain't going to have this fish or my boat if we don't get another boat in on this. Y'all with me? Y'all read the text, right? I got a vivid imagination. I got a, a holy imagination where that boat is going down. And it's like, hey, bro, you blessing me too much? That's enough. That's enough. Y'all ever been blessed by God in a way that he gave you new problems, but the thing that you prayed for is now your problem? 
yeah, yeah, I have one of those. I prayed for a wife and guess what? I got her problems. I'm just playing, but, <laughs> but not like you pray for these things. God, God, please, please, please. And he gives it to you. And you're like, bro, I can't stand that. Blah, blah. You complaining about the thing he blessed you with. I promise you a lot of times the thing that you want from God and the thing that you're the future that you're trying to have, a lot of times you'll step into it and it'll be more than what you thought it was going to be. And it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes it's a good thing, but sometimes good things can create more problems. Yeah. You always think about it like this. I, I, I grew up, you know, in a neighborhood and there was a, 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 there's a yard like across the street from us or whatever. And it's like huge yard. I'm like, dang, that's an awesome yard, bro. Like you could play, you could play football out there. You could do everything. And then I thought about it. I was like, dang, I wonder how much time it takes to mow that thing. I wonder how much time it takes to clean that house because that house is big. I leave my clothes. I got to pick up my clothes and I'm have a little space. Can you imagine having a big space and having to clean that thing? The dust? I'm allergic to dust. I will be out, be out of there. Sometimes the things that you bust will become problems because they're bigger than what you thought it was going to be. Jesus, he blesses them beyond measure of what he ever expected and asked for. But not only that, Peter in this moment, not only is he caught up with these fish, he doesn't even care about the fish. He calls them over, sees that it's filled up twice, and he says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I have no business being on this boat with you, Jesus. And Jesus, in this moment, he invites him into a life that is completely and radically different than the one that he is so desperately trying to hold on to in the, pre in the present. Because he spent hours before trying to make those fish happen. You ever think about all the, the hard work that you've been doing? All the stuff you've been trying to work, and it's just not working. You're just trying, and you're trying, and you're trying, and you're trying, and trying, and then guess what? It happens. But then you don't even care because you're worried about something else. In this moment, this opportunity with Jesus, it, it's so big, it overshadows anything and everything that he ever wanted over here. So much so that it says that he left it. All the fish that are in that boat pulls it over to the side and is like, all right, fish still in the boat. Did you read the text? Hold on, read the text again. It says, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They left the boats. You know how much money that would have been? My man's livelihood. He's like, you know what? I can imagine telling his wife, you know, hey, baby, you know, not that I got fired from work. I left the boat and I'm gone. Like, I'm gone for three years. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'll see you later. Like, can you imagine that this man had such a moment with God that everything changed? It was way more than what he asked for the first time that he said yes, when Jesus said, hey, man, can I just use your boat? Hey, man, can I just use your boat to now? Hey, man, can you go out there and throw the nets out? Hey, man, actually leave everything and come follow me. Which we know in Peter's life, there's so many yeses that build on each other. My second point tonight, that was all my first point, so we're going to keep moving. My second point tonight is this. In this future of walking with Jesus and stepping into the thing that God's called you to, you need to realize that the future that you're, you're dreaming about, that you're destined for, is connected to where you start. Connected to where you start. Peter, in this moment, he says yes to Jesus. Has no idea where it's going to take him, no idea what's going to come, nothing about it. He just says yes. Do you ever wonder what would happen if Peter would have said no? Do you notice something in the text? Peter's name isn't even Peter yet. In this text, it says Simon. The boat belonged to Simon. And it was in the moment when the fish filled the boat, when he was about to leave everything to follow Jesus, the moment he saw Jesus for who he really was, 
that throws in Simon Peter. It's not even really true to the story because he doesn't even actually get his name Peter, Petros, rock. That's, that's what his name means, rock. Because Jesus told him, on this rock, on you, Peter, I'm going to build my church. The church was built on a man who didn't even have that name yet because of this moment. Do you ever wonder if Peter never would have said yes, what all would have happened? Peter doesn't say yes, there's no story of Peter in this book. If Peter doesn't say yes, there's no gospel of Mark. There's no gospel of John. There's no first Peter, second Peter. There's no story of him denying Jesus. There's none of that. There's no walking on water. None of that happens without Peter. In Acts chapter 3, 3,000 people hear the story of Jesus and are saved. None of that happens if Peter doesn't say yes. It's not, you wonder, you have no idea what's on the other side of your yes. When God calls you into something, there, you have no idea what's on the other side of it. Peter's life was marked by these moments where he just said yes. Didn't know how it was going to happen. Didn't know the way forward Knew he was going to be inconvenienced. He knew it didn't make sense. I'm going to walk on water, bro. Really? Okay, if you say so. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I ain't never seen it done. I've been on the water a lot. I'm a fisherman. That is not what happens. You sink, if you say so. A man who could just say yes without knowing where, without knowing the destination, just knowing the person that was driving, the person that was navigating him and telling him where to turn, he just said yes to him. And the world changed because of Peter. Upon this rock, I will build my church. You know, it's nice to hear it in the text, but it's hard. Like, how do I see that in my life? And I'm a product of saying yes. My whole life, my marriage is a product of a yes that I said so long ago. In 2011, I was a, a little bit better than a drunk um, at a junior college playing baseball, throwing my life away. And in a moment, I, I sat there and I laid in bed and I was like, I'm ashamed of the person that I've become. And I just prayed, God, if you give people like me second chances, I want one. And that yes turned to me coming here to SFA, which I played football here at SFA for a little while. And one day I uh, went to this thing with FCA because actually I wanted to meet some girls that had nothing to do with Jesus at all. But I went to see the girls and we went to Atlanta and I heard a guy talk about Jesus. And in that moment, I had that moment again where I felt like God was calling me. And in that moment, I said, God, whatever you want for my life, it's a yes. Whatever you want to call me into, I'll say yes. I'll, I will never say no to you. Whatever you say, I'll say yes. I got home, went on this trip on spring break. I was actually planning on going to Panama City. I was working at Shack. I was a bouncer, funny enough, right? Of all the jobs. <laughs> it was real fun. I take IDs and I'm like, I'll pretend that's real. What's your birthday? You know, like it's... But I bounced at Shaq, and I remember saving up money just because my mom wouldn't pay for me to go to Panama City to get drunk with my friends on spring break. And I remember walking from my house on Wettermark Street right past the BSM and going to class. And I'm one of those people that I'm like, phone, keys, wallet. I'd never forget anything. Like, I'm like, on it, on it, you know? And that day, I left three things, three different times. I left my homework, I left my phone, and I left my wallet. I don't even know how it happened. Actually, I left my keys on my wallet. My keys were in the door. I've never done that. That's crazy. Happened three times, and I walked past this little sign that said, Beach Reach. Something on the inside of me said, go inside. And I was like, nah. <laughs> I know I said I'd say anything. Yes, Jesus, no. <laughs> First off. 
And I went past it three times, and the same thing inside of me just said, just go in there, just go in there, just something. I didn't, I wouldn't have accredited it to the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't even said that God was talking to me. I was just like, I'm tripping. Like, I'm actually tripping. Am I crazy? Like, I thought I was actually crazy. I need psychiatric help. I don't even know what's going on. But eventually I went in, and I was like, hey, man, I live over here, just walk by, like, I've never been in here, hi, I'm Blake, um, I want to, what's this beach reach thing, and like, ah, bro, we actually stopped signing up, like, three weeks ago, and I was like, oh, okay, I am actually crazy, so I stepped to walk out, and the, and the guy running the BSM stops, he grabs my arm, and he says, hey, man, for some reason, I feel like you're supposed to go on this trip, and so I went on this trip, and I rode in vans, and I talked about how Jesus has started to change my life, and that I wanted to follow him, and that I wanted to say yes to him, and I felt alive for the first time, I came back here and I was playing football and it was almost like a light switch went off. And it was as if God was saying, I've made you for more than this. It's time to let it go. And so I went to my coach. I said, hey, man, this is really strange. I'm done. I can't play anymore. Like, I just can't do it. I'm like, why not? I was like, I just feel like God's calling me to something. I don't know where it is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm just going to say yes. And so I quit that day and I ended up going to San Francisco and I took a year off from school. And what's so funny about that, I'm getting to a point, that one yes that I said so long ago, even to come to SFA, to even end up at that FCA thing, to go to that trip, to go to the trip on spring break, to come back, quit football, to take a year off from school, my wife, little did I know, would be there the year I came back. If I wouldn't have said yes to God, I never would have met Demi. I never would have met her. I would have been gone, she would have been here, would never would have even crossed paths. Not only that, but I said yes to God. I was like, I want to follow you. I want to go to seminary. I'm going to do this. And then I went to seminary, finished my three years. and like, hey, man, you want to come back home to Nacogdoches, Texas? Because I'm from here. And I know some of you are like, man, I would never stay here if I lived here. I, oh, my God, don't get me out of here. Like, <laughs> I feel it. <laughs> and I was like, God, but if you say so, I'll do it. And little did I know that that one yes led to a yes after a yes after a yes after a yes that led to the biggest blessing of my life. And some of you are so concerned about what am I supposed to do with my life? What job am I going to work? What place am I going to live in? Who am I going to marry? All these things. What if I'm here to tell you this? And this is the one thing I want you to leave with. If you remember anything I'm going to say, the things that you're worried about are tied to your first yes with God. If you're worried about what you're going to do, say yes when he prompts you. Because I promise you, if you ask him to use you, you ask him to, to, to move in your life, he will. And it's on you to say yes. What if the future that you're waiting for, God's actually waiting for you to just say yes? He's just waiting on you to make the first move. I know some of you in this room, you hear that and you're like, okay, yeah, I'll say yes to God, but what happens if I say no at the wrong time? Do I miss it? What if I make a wrong turn somewhere? How do I, how do I get back into the, into the calling? Because I think we have this weird thing about calling that it's just this thing we arrive at. Like I become a pastor, I become a mom, or uh, I work at a, like at a, I don't even know what y'all even want to do. I want to be a nurse. Well, guess what? You're going to be one of those things one day. And guess what? Arrival is not going to be awesome because it's all you thought about. Once I become this, and then you become it, and you're like, that's it? Once you become a mom, once you become a husband, a wife, you're like, cool. <laughs> it's a little anticlimactic because I thought it would be more than this. 
And I think we build up that idea of the future so much that whenever we reach it, we don't realize that God was actually way more concerned about the journey to that place and past that place because this is a moving destination. God didn't just take you one place and it's over. If it's over, you're not going to breathe anymore. That's what it is. Like it's when it's over, you're done. But there's a sequence of destinations that God is taking you on. There's detours, there's road stops, there's stuff all along the way. It's about the journey of your life. So we're so concerned about what we're going to be, what we're going to do, who we're going to marry, all these things. And guess what? We miss our life. And it's always these moments in between. These moments that don't make sense, these moments that break in, that are intrusive to our plan and our life. These moments that are more than we thought we wanted is actually what life is all about. And it's in those moments where we cultivate this relationship with our creator that changes everything about us. And so with that, if you feel like there's a moment you can make a wrong turn, and I promise you there are some times you can make a wrong turn. I've seen it in my life. I've made decisions that I regret. Decisions that I feel like I still carry. I'm still dealing with them. But there is one thing I do know about God. That no matter how many wrong turns you make, he can always redirect you. Peter, in his life, he made some wrong turns. What's one of the things that you remember about Peter? He denied Jesus, right? Like that's, that's like the first thing you think of. It's crazy how we can think of the worst thing of somebody when we hear their name too, huh? That we can judge them off their worst day. That we can even judge ourselves off our worst day and not all this awesome stuff that Peter did before. But we know him because he denied Jesus. In that story, Peter, he denies Jesus. says, no, nah, I don't know him. Three consecutive no's. And he walks away in shame, and it's in John 21. There's a story of Peter. Peter's given up. He's gone back to fishing. He's went back to his old life. He's like, man, I said yes. I messed it up. It's over for me. I'm going to go back to what I know. So him and all the disciples with him go fishing. And it's in John 21 that Jesus does the same thing back to him. From the shore, he says, hey, why don't you throw your net to the other side? And Peter recognizing that it's Jesus, jumps out of the boat, swims to Jesus, and he has breakfast with Peter. Jesus has breakfast with Peter. And he asks him these three different questions. And I think if you read it, probably it looks like they're the same question, but I promise you the three different questions. The first is, hey, Peter, do you love me more than these? Talking about the other disciples. Chapters before Peter was like, I, I don't care what any of these dudes will do. I'll die for you, Jesus. Like, that John, he ain't gonna do nothing. Like, I'm that dude, Okay. I'm ready to, I got a sword. I'm ready to cut some dude's ear off, which I don't know how you cut an ear off. Like, you know what I mean? It's crazy, but. And then he's like, he doesn't say, yes, I love you more than these. He says, yeah, we're friends. In, in the Greek, it's just two different words for love. Phileo love, which is like friendship. That's what Peter says. And there's this other word, agape love, which is like perfect love. God's love, right? That's what we kind of equivalent it to. Jesus says, hey, do you agape love me more than these? Peter says, I phileo you. I like you. We're cool. And Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. And the next question, he says, hey, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me? Peter says it again, I phileo you. I like you. We're cool, I guess. And then the third time Jesus asks him, he says, Peter, do you phileo me? Do you like me? 
And Peter starts crying. He says, you know that I like you. Because Peter knew that he couldn't love Jesus perfectly. And Jesus, in this moment, is telling Peter, it has never been about how much you love me. It's always been about how much I love you. In this moment, what we so quickly pass over is that we thought it was all about Peter's yes. But in reality, it was actually about Jesus's yes to Peter. That before Peter ever knew Jesus, Jesus chose Peter. He says that there was two boats, and then he stepped on Simon Peter's boat. And he says, Peter, can I use your boat? That before Peter ever knew who Jesus was, Jesus knew who Peter was. He knew who he was going to be, and he knew what he would, everything he would do. He knew that he would deny him, but still he chose him. That's why when Paul writes in Romans, he says that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians says that in love he predestined us before the foundation of the world calling us to be holy and righteous and blameless before him. In love, he did that. Knowing that he had to endure the cross, chose us, chose you, said yes to you, that you are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that he prepared beforehand for you to walk in them. It's Ephesians 2. And this is the thing I need you to walk away with. This future that you're worried about, this future that you're concerned about, you can step into it without fear because God has already said yes to you, even when in moments you're unable to say yes to him. His word says that if we remain faithless, he is faithful because he can't deny himself. That if you said yes to Jesus once, it's because he's already said yes to you. That he died for you you, as you, in your place, so that this future that you are being invited into by God can be stepped into because he's taken the first step towards you. I know for some of you in this room, the future seems scary, and it seems like I don't even know the way forward. I don't even know which is the right step, which is the wrong step. I don't even know what to do with my life. And here's the comforting thought. When Peter was doing his own thing, living his own life, chasing his own way, God had something for Peter. All it required was Peter receiving the yes that Jesus had already spoken over him. And as Jordan comes up, I want to lead you just in a moment where I think a lot of us in this room, you've said yes to Jesus, you've believed in Jesus, you believe he is who he says he was. But I think there's two other things that a lot of us in this room haven't done. And the reason I say haven't, maybe you haven't, it's one of those things that you've fallen back into a circumstance where you've taken a wrong turn, you need to be redirected. That you need Jesus to show up for you, to say yes over you again, to reaffirm that he loves you. There's a yes that you need to receive, that God is, has, he's okay with you, and that you can be in relationship with him because he's spoken a yes over you. And the second is, a lot of us in this room have believed in God, believed in Jesus, but have never said yes to following him in a real way. More than a, hey, I'll show up at church on Sunday way, but a, every time you speak something to me at your word, I'll say yes to it. It's a very different thing. It's a very different thing to say, yeah, I know God. And it's a very different thing to say, oh no, I say yes every time he asks me, every time he prompts me, every time there's an opportunity for God to speak in my life, I say yes to it. 
that I've chosen to be a follower of Jesus, not just somebody who goes to church or says I'm a Christian, but somebody who lives every breath of their life saying yes to the things of God because it's so much bigger than just you. My favorite part about the story is that Peter's yes, when he said yes, he had no idea who else it was tied to. It says that James and John were his partners. As you know, as Peter, James, and John were the, the close three of Jesus of the 12, Peter, James, John, you hear all the time in that order. Without Peter saying yes, time and time again, James and John are never in there. I wonder if there are people on the other side of your yes that you don't even know need you to say yes to Jesus. That the thing that they've been waiting for, the future that they want to live in, the one that actually gives life is waiting on you to say yes. Waiting on you to lead into the prompting that God's calling you into. And so with that, if you would, if you close your eyes. I just want to give you a moment to respond. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to give you a moment. Man, if you feel like God is calling you into something, it might be to believe in him for the first time. It might be that you want to give the rest of your life to him and want to follow him. It might be that you just want to receive the forgiveness that he has already spoken his yes over you. If it's one of those things. Whatever it is, if God is calling you into saying yes, I would, I would ask you in this moment right now just to raise your hand. Say, Jesus, I want to say yes to you. I want to say yes to a life of following you. I want to say yes every time you ask. And then I trust you with my life. The prayer team is gonna be up here at the front. If you raise your hand, I would encourage you, don't leave this place without telling somebody about it. Just to receive prayer and confirmation that man, there's people that are along this journey with me who wanna help, that wanna encourage you, that wanna pray for you. And if you feel led, if you just have some things going on in your life that you need to share with somebody that you need prayer for, that you just need somebody just to believe in faith with you for something, don't hesitate, come up and and pray with them. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I pray that you would just give us boldness to say yes, even if we don't believe in ourselves, even if we don't think that, uh, that there is anything good for us that you've got because of our past, because of the things that we've said yes to that we shouldn't have. God, I pray that you would give us a vision of a life with you that says yes when we're prompted by you, when you ask us into something that we say yes. God, I pray for moments along the way where we get to look back and see how faithful you've been because we've said yes before. And it would encourage us to continue to say yes in the future. Jesus, we thank you so much just for saying yes over us when we didn't deserve it. When we were lost and dead in our sin, God, you chose us anyway. 
and you picked us to get on our boat, to use our boat as a platform for your word and for your life to shine bright. God, I pray that you would give us a new vision of the future with you. Jesus, I pray that your spirit would just be so thick in this place, God, that our hearts would be changed and that our futures would be changed and people's lives would be changed by the yeses that we make tonight. Jesus, we love you and we trust you. It's in your name we pray, amen.